Welcome to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing for Law Firms podcast, featuring the latest strategies and techniques to drive traffic to your website and convert that traffic into clients. Now, here's the founder and CEO of 10 Golden Rules, Jay Berkowitz. Welcome to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing for Law Firms podcast. We have a great guest today named Dominic Grew, and he is a coach for law firms. And we'll get into it with Dominic in one minute. But Dominic, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be a business coach for law firms? Yes. Yeah, so first of all, Jay, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, and in, in, in terms of background, uh, as you mentioned, I'm a, a business coach and I specialize in law firms, but it wasn't always that way. Uh, I actually had a, a pretty pretty extensive corporate career uh, here in the United States and in the, in the UK as well. I was a COO for business development. Uh, so different background, but a background that's very relevant to the uh, niche of law firms who I work with today. Yeah, it's funny, you know, you're from Boston area and everyone from Boston has interesting accents, but yours is definitely uh, more interesting, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. You know, I've, I've had to adjust my accent here in the Boston area, and I've also had to learn their accent as well. There's definitely well, some Especially nuances. pronouncing each of the towns, like I got one wrong today. It's really hard to figure out how they pronounce those towns, right? Yeah, you know, it's only it's only taken me 20 plus years to perfect it. But, you know, I'm I'm a coach. There's always room for improvement and to learn more, Jay. <laughs> so I was uh, having lunch with one of my friends and actually the attorney who finalized my immigration and got us over the finish line. I'm originally from Canada and we live in the United States now. A guy named Bill Gerstein and, I, and we were with some some other attorneys and we do an annual webinar on planning writing your business plan for law firms. And last year's webinar is absolutely blown up on YouTube. There's like 15,000 views. So if you want to learn well, about planning, go to our YouTube channel or sign up for this year's webinar to plan for next year. I was asking the attorneys, like, when do you all start your, your planning? Because I was trying to figure out, should my webinar be in December or November? I was thinking of making it a little earlier. It is It is in November of 2023, whenever you're listening to this. And Bill Gerstein said, well, we already started our planning. And I said, whoa, you know, that's really impressive. Why did you guys start your planning? He said, well, we've got this great business coach. And uh, he started the planning process with us already. So that was my introduction. And I said, of course, I needed to meet Dominic. And that's how we got together. And so, Dominic, why don't you start with that and talk a little bit about what are the basic components of a business plan for a law firm? Um, what, you know, what, what, are the basics that should be on your uh, planning and what, what does that process look like? Yeah, sure. Uh, before I, I do that, I should say, first of all, Jay, so, so we have Bill Gerstein. He, he's the person that's to blame for naturalizing you here <laughs> <laughs> in the United States. And uh, it's, it's never too early uh, to get started uh, on, on, on planning for next year. So for me and for my clients, although, you know, we're, we're in October now, uh, essentially, the year is kind of coming to an end, and that's why I encourage all my time, all my clients, to start the uh, start the planning for next year uh, really early. Because what you don't want to do is end up putting your plan together in January, which might mean February, and before you know it, 
you know, you, you're well into the year. Uh, but what you mentioned there in, in terms of components uh, of a plan, what I've learned in, in my business coaching practice when I ask the question uh, to my clients, like, do you have a plan? They say, well, of course I have a plan. Of course I do. And I, when I ask them, well, would you, would you mind sharing it uh, with me? They hesitate a little bit because they have never actually written their plan down. So the very, very first component uh, of any plan is the task of getting it out uh, of the individual's head and down on paper so that it actually exists outside of their own mind <laughs> uh, and is created and comes into being. So think of a plan as like, it's an actual object. It has to be created and it has to exist outside of their mind. So the very first component is get it out of your head and get it down on paper. That's component number one. Great. The second uh, component of, of putting together uh, a plan is to have real clarity around what it is that you want. Right? What is it that you're hoping to achieve in your planning exercise? And that's different for each type of client that I'm working with, right? So really getting clarity around what it is that you are looking to achieve. Because I have found that if you don't have a good target to aim for, uh, it's really hard to determine, right, if you've hit it or not. So clarity around what your target actually is and getting that done in paper. So those are the, probably the two, you know, straight out of the gate, two most essential components of a plan. So I'm going to pause like, there because I bet you have questions already. Do you like a realistic target or Tony Robbins? I, I'm not sure if it's his term, but he uses it. BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Do you like to set a, a nice, aggressive goal? Personally, I hate that term BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. <laughs> I'm much more in the uh, the realistic camp. Uh, you know, just I, I, I'd rather see my clients achieve something that's small but significant than really swing for the fences and miss. So I always try to anchor uh, my clients in, in terms of their goals of, of making sure that they're realistic. At the same time, I'm not going to tell them that. I'm just going to ask them questions, Jay, about you know how, how are you going to do that? Because very often, something that might seem uh, audacious to me or unrealistic, they may have a way to get themselves there. But at the end of the day, it's their goal. It's not mine. And it's not my position to tell them that can't be done. But I really want them to be successful with small steps. And what does the process look like? Like you work remotely, you do this on a Zoom. How much yeah. time and, and and what are the what are the components of that planning meeting or meetings? Yeah. Well, just it's it's funny. We, we we're mentioning Bill now for like the third time. Uh, so uh with him. Uh, we scheduled two two uh, sessions, and and generally speaking, I, I work with most of my clients, you know, every other week. But we put aside two one hour sessions to get on paper uh, the plans for next year. Uh, I do it remotely, so I work with clients all over the country. Although I'm in Massachusetts, uh, more than half my clients are in other parts of the country, and then even for those that are in Massachusetts, a lot of them we. Uh, we, we we do it remotely and it's it's fairly easy to, to pass documents back and forth and to share stuff on the screen and actually type out the plan uh while we're on the call together so it's 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 fairly straightforward uh i i try to make it a simple and easy process because jay what i've found is that lawyers are very busy people 
they do not have a lot of time and uh, while sometimes you know complexity is is, is you know uh, part of being a lawyer on the business side complexity sometimes is not your friend so i try to keep it really simple uh and and, and straightforward for them because i want them to be successful uh number one in creating it and then secondly with the actual execution of the plan as well one of the risks of planning and i've seen in the past and we've, we've actually made this mistake we do a great job we come out of the gate we got a great plan it's on paper we got a goal we got strategies and tactics to get there and then we don't think about it again for another quarter until we have our quarterly meeting how do you make these things living and breathing and, and really get take action yeah that's a that's a that's a terrific question. If I can deviate for a second, I I had a meeting on Monday uh, with a client, and it's a new engagement, and they mentioned that they had a business plan, and I said that's terrific. Hey, would you mind sending that business plan over to me? It was 160 pages long, and it was from 2018, so it was five years old. And so uh, I asked them, how often have you referred to this? And they said, probably not since 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 uh, 2018. So. <laughs> And that's one of the reasons why I, I keep the plan uh, active uh, and small so that it's it, it, it's manageable. Uh, so when I think about it, Jay, there's kind of two portions. To this. There's one of, of like creating the plan, right? I mentioned two sessions. We can we can get that done with a good plan going forward for the year. But uh, it's got, you know, it's got to be brought to life. And so within the planning process, I uh, I will ask my clients, how are you going to determine if you're making progress on your plan? Some people might call these metrics. Some will call them key performance indicators. Uh, what's the method by which you're going to evaluate if you're making progress on your plan? So I ask them uh, how they're going to do that. And obviously, I have some of my own, right, depending on, on, on what their goals are. But it's really important uh, that we measure progress. So what I do with my clients is once we've set the goals up, I add... Uh, in, in planning for, for, for the for the next year, I actually set them up online uh, with an online portal that I use. And we for each one of those goals, we have a metric that we're going to use to track it. That's okay. fantastic. And that can be different for each person. So for example, let's just say it's really easy. They have a revenue goal. Well, guess what? Every month, they're going to go on to the online portal that we use and they're going to put their revenue number in. And there's going to, it's going to show a comparison against their benchmark or their target and how that's tracking and aggregating over the year. And I find that uh, frequency of, 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 of uh, you know, discussions around where they should be having metrics and then for them to be able to see it graphically and to actually comment on how was the month of October. Hey, I was way under. Here's why I was on vacation in Europe for two weeks. That's why, or I was way over. Wow, we had a really big case settle, uh, and that was a big win. We, you know, it's a one-off, it's an anomaly. But uh, having metrics and having a system whereby they can actually put them in, comment on them, and track their progress is really important. I have a great friend and, and business mentor, uh, yeah. Josh Nelson from Seven Figure Agency, uh, which we're very involved with. And Josh says, uh, what you measure gets attention and gets results. Um, Absolutely. I, I tweaked it slightly for myself, but yeah. we yeah. started, you know, with Josh's guidance and the seven figure agency template, we started looking at our, our numbers each month. You know, how many meetings did we have? 
How many were qualified? Yes. How many uh, proposals did we write? How many new clients did we add in the month? What was the average revenue for client? How, how many clients? God forbid we lost one. <laughs> so yeah. how many net new clients? Yeah. And, you know, I just simply calculated the numbers to achieve my goal. And, and I worked it back. You know, how many clients do you want? What's, yeah. what's the revenue per client? Then how many meetings do you need? How many qualified meetings do you need? And then it made it very clear what was required in my marketing program on the front end to get us to those numbers. And then Josh and, and the, the seven-figure crew ask us for those numbers every month. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. a big, big help. It is a big help. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because sometimes people say, well, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to have goals, but I really don't want to have to report to somebody every month as to, as, as to how I'm doing with them. <laughs> Right. Which is kind of bizarre because they want the result without having to do the work. Right. It's like it's like wanting, you know, or not, not being wanting to look great, but not willing to go to the gym to do your work. But what I've actually found, Jay, is that uh, increases motivation. If there's a pathway to get to your goal and you can break it down into the steps that you need to get there, actually, all those little steps, you know, aggregating over time are actually moving you towards accomplishing your goal so you had asked earlier like how do you stay how do you keep people motivated uh, about their goals well they number one is they need to be motivated <laughs> it's their goal it's not mine i'm certainly going to help them right but tracking and seeing progress over time is actually highly motivating because sometimes not always but very often uh the results lag the activity has to happen first and you're not going to see it show up, right? So tracking the activity that are going to lead you to the results uh, helps you see progress when you can't see it on the horizon just yet translating into, I give the example of revenue. Uh, th that's a good one. You got to do the marketing in order to have a sale, land a client, do the work, and collect the revenue. So it's lagging. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's... Metrics are huge, and, and they are your friend. That's great. Um, we, we also have a planning that we've been doing for years uh, for ourselves at 10 Golden Rules, and we also mm -hmm. do it for clients. And we do um, – I, I learned this years ago when I was in the ad agency business that brainstorming, it, it's very frustrating if you're in a room with eight or ten people and you're doing brainstorming because one person's talking and nine people have ideas – and they want to share their ideas and they're very frustrated. Yes. And that great creative teams work in pairs. Think of, you know, Lennon and McCartney and Elton John, right. Bernie Toppin and, um, you know, Edison had a partner and Ford had a part, you know, had a, a, a business planning yeah. uh, counterpart. And so uh, what we do is we break into pairs and, and we brainstorm on four different things. First, we brainstorm on the strengths of the company. And then we come back and we vote on what are the top strengths of the company. Mm -hmm. Then we brainstorm on the weaknesses. Then we brainstorm on trends. Because in the old, you used to do strengths, weaknesses, threats, and opportunities. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's just strengths and weaknesses flipped upside down as threats and opportunities. So we right. do strengths, weaknesses, and trends. It's something we got from Rockefeller Habits. And then the final portion, and we, we vote on what the top of each of those first three are. And then we the final one is projects. And we brainstorm projects, mm -hmm. come up with the projects that we should be doing to, you know, either capitalize on a strength, fix a weakness, or capitalize on a trend that's either societal or in our industry. 
Yeah. And through the years, it's been incredibly powerful for us and for many of our clients who've gone through the exercise where we've, we've figured out, you know, what we really need to do and, and um, set those projects and then assign a team to work on those projects. And we, uh, we again use the Rockefeller habits model, which is um, we pick the top five projects mm -hmm. and the top one of five and the top one of five absolutely has to be done in the quarter. And then we assign people to work on each of the projects. Um, and then each each individual person has five what we call rocks, quarterly rocks. Yeah, which yeah. is uh, also used in EOS, and we're mm -hmm. we're transitioning to EOS. So I, I just share that because it maybe ho hopefully dimensionalizes some of this stuff for folks. And what, yeah. what do you think about uh, that approach? Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the takeaway is, you know, when you're planning for your business, chances are if you bring other people in on it, and they can be your internal, the other partners in your firm, it can be somebody external, right? Chances are, if you bring them in on that brainstorming task, you're going to come up, you're going to be thinking more broadly than you had before. So that number one is, it's it's the power of many people over just one individual, right? And then the second component of that is when you come up with those ideas, sometimes people, uh, you know, they want to do everything, right? Hey, we've got 12 spanking new, they're all great ideas. But really narrowing that down and say, okay, so other the of these 12, like what are the one, two, or three that are the highest value, highest return, right? Just like we, you know, if, if this was finance, we'd be talking about, you know, what are the interest rates on these various things of debt? Which ones are you going to attack first, right? It's the same type of thing. I can't do everything. How do I get the biggest bang for my buck? And so you prioritize the ideas and then get consensus, not entire agreement, but consensus that everybody can live with around, well, okay, so what are these in front of us? What are the two, one, two, or three that we're going to really push on for this year? And that way you're not trying to conquer the world, but you have clarity and focus on the areas where you're going to divert your attention. That's awesome. I want to touch on what it means to be a coach. And uh, I spent a lot of time, we, we used to do marketing for seminars and events. I got to see Tony Robbins like eight times in, in this wow. period of three years. And, you know, if folks who've listened to my podcast know that I went to see Tony at the very start of my business, mm -hmm. walked on fire and did unleash the power. Wow. Within, you know, a lot of the breakthroughs that we accomplished were around the time of studying with Tony. You know, Tony says that the best performers in the world have coaches, you know, and, and he told this long story about how he became a polo player and how he got... The, the best coach in the world and had the little polo horse. And it's a long story, fantastic story, but he got a polo court, a polo coach and became a, you know, competitive polo player. And he said that, you know, if, if the best people in the world use coaches, why don't you use coaches? Right. So, um, you know, you're a, a law firm coach. What should law firms look for in a great coach? Yeah, well, I'm totally into coaching, obviously. Right. That's that. That's why I'm a coach, and 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 those whether they're athletes or polo players or or, or whatever realize they they engage a, a coach, uh, an advisor because they want to get the results, but they want to get them faster and quicker than trying to figure out by themselves. So obviously that's why, you know, m many people hire coaches to help them get where they want to go, and they realize that it's going to get them there faster. Uh, remind me. Where were you going with that question well, again, Jim? I, I said, what yeah. should law firms look for in a great yeah. coach? Yeah. Uh, listening skills, believe it or not, even though I just said, hey, repeat. <laughs> but uh, 
you really want to engage a coach who is going to understand the unique circumstances of you and your firm. Because what I have found is there is no one size fits all. There are so many different types of law firms, different practice areas, firms that are in different uh, you know, different parts of, of, of the cycle, if you like. And so like all things, it really pays to spend time up front, you know, thinking about what you want, but more importantly, how it applies to you and your firm. So for example, I was working with a client earlier this morning. Uh, she has some revenue goals and we talked about billable parts for business. And she was pretty clear, like, I don't want, I don't subscribe to the model of hourly billing in my firm. It's one of the reasons why I left big law. It's pretty important, right? So yeah. when I'm working with her, I have to make sure that I understand what she's trying to accomplish. And that's kind of, I won't say it's unique to her, but I can't ever go in and work with a client with a preconceived idea of they should follow this game plan and that's going to work for them because the reality is it's, well, it might, but each person is unique. So whenever you're uh, looking to hire a coach, you want to have someone who's thoughtful and who wants to hear what exactly it is that you want and what's most important to you. And there's a little bit of a process involved in that. It doesn't happen immediately. But it's one of the reasons that I love coaching because each client is unique. And I love that because it's like each one is a little, uh, there's no manual. Each one is unique. And I got to think, what's going to work for Jay? And know that what works for Jay may not work uh, for somebody else. And by the way, when it comes to a law firm and you have a partnership structure, trying to get everybody together in agreement and rowing in the same direction as to what the priorities are, you can begin to see why that business planning process is so important because you don't want to get halfway through the year and someone's you know, looking for a budget to do something that nobody has any idea what they're talking about because you've never discussed it or identified it as a priority that requires resources at your firm. Yeah, I'd say at least half of the firms I have a first call with, I ask them what, you know, do they have a marketing budget or a general idea how much they spend and have no idea. And a lot of yep. them have no idea how many leads they get in a month and how many cases they actually sign. It's a, it's a revelation. Um, you know, sort of, sort of continuing that theme, you know, I was, we were, we were once doing some numbers and we were comparing numbers across different clients and two clients had surprisingly identical amounts of web traffic. They had about 5,000 visitors to their website. Um, and, and both clients had about 200 leads a month and they were in different markets, but they were in personal injury. The one firm from those 200 leads signs about 80 clients and has a very significant and growing firm, 10 million plus in revenue. The other firm struggles to sign about 20 clients, has a very, one, one of the things we've corrected over, over the last few years, they had a 3.4 out of five star Google rating. You know, so these are almost identical when you look at the very top line, mm -hmm. you know, 5,000 visitors to the website, 200 leads, one signs 80 of them, one signs 20 of them. One has a, you know, struggling one or $2 million business. One has a very successful and growing eight or $10 million business. And what are some of the things that differentiated those two businesses? You know, just to put it in a colloquial way, one mm -hmm. of them had their act together. You know, he was sending me books on, I forget which one it was, but it was like about managing your book with numbers. Yeah. And they were very business oriented and everything was about 
performance and metrics and scorecards, right? Yeah. Uh, they had hiring processes. They had, uh, you know, we shot some videos. We do marketing videos. They they, mm-hmm. they booked the videographer and shot a whole day of training videos for their staff on how to manage cases and yeah. investigate cases and research cases and go to court with cases. So, you know, the, very simply, you know, the one firm with very similar numbers had, had 80 clients a month. One firm had 20 clients a month. The firm with 80 clients had their act together. The firm that had 20 clients was in constant disarray. Yeah. So th- my question for you is, how do you get people to, to raise their hand and ask for help? Oh, that is that is a great question. And, and for lawyers in particular, it's difficult because, uh, you know, they're, in their profession, they are they are the expert people hire them because of their expertise right and 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 so uh when when they go to law school they're taught how to be experts in the law but they're not taught how to be experts at building managing and growing a business so i i guess the takeaway from 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 that is uh you know this is this is not intuitive very often in fact Quite often for lawyers, the things that make them great lawyers kind of hold them back uh, on the business side. So I guess the, the the thing that I'd say is don't don't put the pressure on yourself to be an expert in everything, because that is just not realistic. Your lawyers are experts in the areas where they need to be expert, and for those areas that fall outside of that, engage outside experts. Right? Don't try to become an expert in SEO. You know, uh, when you're a personal injury attorney. Bring in a professional who who is in that area and plays in that area every day. Uh, so so ask for help. It's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. At the end of the day, you want to you want to have a firm that's you know provides excellent service to his, to its clients, uh, but you want to be able to sustain the work environment, have a steady flow, and you want to have a strong business so you can you know attract and retain the best talent and keep them there. So. Yeah, it's it's not a sign of weakness. Engage professionals in areas that are outside of your expertise. Well said. We have our, our scorecard. I mentioned that a few minutes yeah. ago. You know, what are the top five or 10 things that every law firm should be looking at on a KPI or a business scorecard? And what's the cadence? How frequently should they be looking at it? Yeah, for my clients, uh, if it's financials, a financial metric, uh, at least every month, right? Because... You know, there's typically a cycle there, right, where they are using QuickBooks and 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 they're getting metrics. You know, if it was something about marketing, for example, you can get uh, things much more frequently than that, right? It could it could be every week you're looking at how many hits, how many people came to your site, the geographies. So uh, I guess I would say it depends what what it is, right? For example, there's some of my clients where I'm working with them on time management. You know, I, I'm working with them every week. They're providing me information on how their week went because it's it's really something that requires that you know level of detail or frequency of detail. On the financial stuff, it's typically once a month. So again, uh, find out you want to be successful with what you're measuring. So 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 again, part of that is well, how do I know I'm making progress? And that that, that then that discussion around well, what does the cadence need to be to make sure we're making the strides that we need to. Uh, you know, uh, in, in the window that we have to address it. Sometimes those are short windows and sometimes they're longer. Does that answer the question, Jay, on that one? 
Yeah, that's great. It was like a typical lawyer answer, you know, when, yeah. when you ask the question. It depends. Well, it depends. And, and, you know, it really does depend. Yeah. You know, it, it really does. But, you know, on most business things, you know, the, the monthly, it's the monthly cycle. And, and that way you, you have 12 opportunities to uh, to address, you know, how are you doing? Are you on course? Rather than waiting to the end of the year to say, oh, boy, I had a really busy year. But you know what? Uh, we, we made less money than last year. You don't want to wait till the end of the year. And that's why getting the planning process going early is so important. And that's why, you know, reviewing those metrics that you've identified uh, frequently and talking about them uh, is so important. Well said. And and we do marketing coaching, you know, essentially like we're, we're an agency. Yeah. We, we do a lot of business coaching and marketing coaching. Sure. And, you know, part of just a part of the way we've always gone to market. But I'm interested in how you look at it when you sit down with with a Billy Gerstein or someone like that. Yeah. What are you looking at with regards to the firm's marketing? What do the experts want to see uh, the firm doing and 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 their if they have you know SEO guys or whatever that you call a, a digital agency? Yeah. You know. Again. Again, the answer is always going to be uh, it depends. The way that I work, and, and you coach as well, right? You're, you're coaching clients on, uh, on, on the marketing side. Uh, you know, the, the 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 way that I'm working with my clients, it's it's kind of like, uh, it's really around the business. And it may take me into marketing, but it may not take me into marketing at all. Uh, and it depends on the practice area of law also. A lot of my clients, uh, I'm working with them more around building their business you know, through channels, centers of influence, referral partners, networking, all that sort of stuff. So I tend not to get into the marketing world. And do you know why, Jay? Because I don't understand it and I'm not an expert in it. So, you know, Great. this were a personal injury uh, firm and, you know, they were looking to to expand their footprint, get more more traffic. I would bring somebody in like somebody like you to come in because it's an area that's outside of my expertise. Uh, so mine tends to be more about the top of the house. What are your goals for the firm? What's your revenue goal? Uh, what are what are your expenses? What are some of the strategies that we can use to get you there faster? I'll give an example. Uh, working with an estate uh, planning attorney, and we were discussing what strategies she'd used, and she she does networking and all the stuff uh, that we talked about and some SEO. But actually, her her her. Uh, her most successful strategy is to partner with other estate planning attorneys who are in their late mid to late 60s who are full and can refer business to her. Easy, right? And, <laughs> yeah. So, so think about it. There's always different strategies, and marketing is a component of that. Uh, but there are all sorts of innovative and creative ways to get you to the same destination, but maybe a little faster. Uh, so again, finding out what's the right strategy for the particular firm, given what they're looking to accomplish on their time frame and their preferences. That's great. Well, you know, let's wrap up with a few, a little bit more personal things and learn a little bit about you. I uh -oh. gave you a heads up on these, but you know, <laughs> one of the questions I've been asking on my podcast for, for many years now is what's your favorite apps or tools or personal time savers or personal productivity apps that you use? Yeah, you know, for, for for me, and and one that's been really essential for my business is having that app where I can keep track of my conversations with my clients. 
and what their follow-ups are. So you mentioned earlier about, well, how do you work with clients? Are are you working remotely? Having an application and a platform to do that enables me to be able to do it. Uh, So so documenting my meetings, my action, their action notes, giving them reminders to be successful. So it's, it's, it's it's not a household name app, but it's really leveraging technology in a way whereby when my clients and I do sit down together, you know, once every two weeks or, or whatever the, the cadence is, we're ready to go. So, uh, so that's probably my number one uh, is, is is that. And then the, the other thing, and again, it's not an old, it's, it's not a high tech app, but at the end of each week, uh, I personally sit down and I review what I've accomplished that week, my wins, my losses. What I found is that discipline I mentioned about the business plan, where if you do, if you're looking at it monthly, you have 12 opportunities to, uh, you know, uh, address, change course, tweak. Well, by doing that exercise weekly, I have 52 opportunities or maybe 48. I'll give myself four weeks off to do that. But I find that discipline really, really helpful. That's great. I, I'm writing that one down. What are some of your um, go-to favorite business books? Uh, one that I'm that I, I'm loving at the moment is Profit First. I don't know if you, if, if you're familiar with that. Sure. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm really not 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 just reading that, but implementing that. You know, yeah, I worked in business the, or with your clients or both. I am using it for my business, but I plan to use it for my clients. I always I always think you're much more uh, if you can speak to how you've used and implemented something yourself, it becomes more credible than saying, "Hey, you know, I have this great idea for you, and I'd like you to be the guinea pig with it," right? So I've been, I've been, uh, I've read the book. I've been implementing it for about eight months uh, at the, at this point. I think uh, if you put into practice, right, it's, it's really about being disciplined in how you yeah. think about your business, spend money in your business. Uh, and it's right up my alley because, again, I get motivated by seeing small changes compound over time, just like, just like compound interest. It's the same thing except it's for businesses. So that's, that's, that's my, I'm all about profit first at the moment. Yeah. The basic principles is you basically take your profit out of the business first. So first thing in the month you take out, you know, if it's 10%, 20%, 30%. And he, you know, he even recommends like things like buying a, an annuity or putting it into yeah. a stock broker or whatever. So the money's literally taken out of your business operating mm-hmm. account. Yes, um, and then it gives you the you know it sort of forces the discipline of, of operating with discipline and and operating to your budget and operating to your plan because it's so easy to just you know invest in this buy that this marketing this this hire this whatever <laughs> if you don't have yeah. the discipline. Yeah, and you know when, when somebody probably listens to this and says, "Well, you know, you know, uh, that's hardly mind blowing," but like all these things, it's simple. It's just not easy to do, right? And I find that even in my own practice, like. You begin to talk yourself as to why you don't need to put that money aside this month because this is coming in. And it's like, no, 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 no. You don't do that. You set it and you stick to it. And if that means making some hard decisions, right, uh, that's that's what you need to do. And it's that discipline that I find so uh, impactful. You know, you can, really, you can literally see things grow. And the book Profit First uh, it comes with, there's a series of um, experts and there's Profit First accountants who've been certified. And so there's, 
it's become a pretty robust program over the last four or five years, however long, yeah. uh, since he wrote the book. How about webinars, podcasts? Is there anything you subscribe to that you'd recommend that you love? You know, uh, I listen to yours, of course. You know, yeah. um, I wouldn't say there's any one particular one that I'm a regular for that, you know, that I would never miss. Uh, but I ask other people what they're listening to. And when they tell me that there's one, I ask them, well, what in particular was it that you liked about it? Like, what's different, right? Because uh, there's so much out there, you know, you could spend all day listening to these podcasts. And I tell many people that, right? Because there's so much knowledge out there, but I I'll always kind of turn around and say, that's great. But what did you learn from it? And how are you going to take action on it? Right. So so let me ask you this, Jay. I'm going to turn the question around on you. What's your go to podcast or source of learning? Well, I am an auditory learner and I studied this when I, I was into podcasts, my podcast, 13 or 14, 15 years old. I interviewed Gary Vaynerchuk when he worked at a wine store and I interviewed Jason Calacanis uh, was was doing the Mahalo he was doing a search engine yeah. cultivated by people. And then he went on to invest in Uber and yeah. become one of the world's leading experts on startups and, and um, um, angel investing. So, you know, 15 years ago, why weren't people eating up podcasts like I was? I studied this and there's a type of learning, which is called auditory learning. And and there's about 25% of people are auditory learners. Yeah, And it coincides really neatly with about 25% of people listen to a podcast every week. And that number has been consistent over the yep. years. So, you know, podcasts have taken off, but, and to a certain sense, it's the accessibility of technology that have made them so available. I listen to podcasts in pretty much every area of my life. So I listen to um, a sales podcast mm -hmm. called the Advanced Selling Podcast, which they say is the longest running podcast. And it's with Bill Kasky and Brian Neal, who's an NFL ref. I listen to some of the lawyer podcasts like PIM the personal injury lawyer's mastermind. Uh, I listened to a couple tennis podcasts because I'm a tennis guy. Wow. And I met a great friend of mine, Will Hamilton from Fuzzy Yellow Balls, which is more of a YouTube series. Um, <laughs> and um, I listened to my hockey team's podcast. So I listened to uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I listened to a couple mm. podcasts about yeah. my hockey team. Um, and I, I don't want to pre, you know, prejudge my next statement. Because I, I also listen to a great podcast about the Miami Dolphins. And I understand, for some strange reason, a guy from the UK is a Patriots fan. Well, you know, uh, being here in the 2000s, it wasn't that difficult <laughs> to be a Patriots fan. You know, I used to tell my kids, you know, when, when they were growing up, like, this is not normal to have your team, you know, in, in the playoffs and to win Super Bowls, etc. But uh, it was a good run while it lasted. But I, I think you know, I think the, you know, things are starting to turn now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because and, like and all things, you know, it works until it doesn't yeah. work anymore. And I'm it, not saying know, that it doesn't work, but success. We, we won't really air bad. this episode for a couple of weeks and the Dolphins, the Patriots are playing in Miami this weekend. So uh -oh. I hope you, you all can look up and, and see that the, the Dolphins thrash the Patriots. And the, no, no disrespect, but no, are you, no, are you no, one of those fair weather, you know, do you consider that the Patriots won seven Super Bowls with Brady or, or just six? Like, do you count that Tampa Bay Super Bowl as one of yours? I, no, I, I don't think I don't think we can really do that. But I mean, it's incredible that that he was able to do that. That thing of is it the player or the coach? You know, he kind of I think answered that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was it was, it was mix, both, right? but incredible to have accomplished that.
Um, you, but by the way, you know, you mentioned, you know, you listen to my podcast and thank you very much. And, you know, if, if you've been listening this long, like we're about 40 minutes in, I'd love you to go on iTunes or Spotify and give us a five-star rating. Take a minute to write a really nice review about everything you've learned from Dominic and how much you like the 10 Golden Rules podcast. It helps us in a lot of ways. Like it helps us be found and obviously it helps us, but it also helps us get great guests because a lot of people are going to look up how many listeners you have and how many stars you have and how many ratings. So please take a minute to do that or go to YouTube and, and give us a follow as well. Well, I think that's it. Unless, you know, the last part of the question was, do you watch any YouTubes? Because I find now that I, a lot of people are doing this on video and I subscribe to a lot of YouTubes. Yeah, you know, I, I do. And Jay Shetty, you know, Jay Shetty? No, I don't. No, I I, I like his stuff. He, he He's, you know, f- from the UK. Uh, and there's some that I put in the portal as well um, for my clients, and it's more that it's it's more that the, the uh, motivational stuff, how how you can change your thinking, because I think that's really it can be really it can really change change things if 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 you can catch yourself about how you think or how 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 maybe you uh, obscure your thinking or yeah, you know, sabotage so your your thoughts and uh, you know being able to see that it's not. It's not just me. Other people do it as well. Uh, I think is is helpful to my clients, where where you realize that you know uh, we're all walking this path. We're just trying to walk it as best we can. So you know, if there's people out there that can help us do that, give us encouragement when it's needed. Push us along when that's needed too. You know, that's helpful. And uh, you know, I recognize I'm just one person. If I can bring other resources to them, like your your uh, your podcast, Jay, or maybe a TEDx show, then. That helps them. It's it's the whole. I want, I want to bring the whole benefit of, of what's out there uh, to help them. By the way, another power tip is take action. Like if you heard that music playing, I just went and subscribed to Jay Shetty's podcast, and yeah. you know I'll I'll buy the book you recommended by the end of this interview. Well, and you're a man of action. Go buy Profit First, which I already have. No, you're a man of action, and you know yeah. uh, it's so important because today, you know, there are so many distractions out there. If it's a quick and easy, just just do it and do it now, and then yeah. you'll, before you know it, that book is going to arrive, and you're you're going to have forgotten that you even ordered it. And you say, "Oh, this is good, right?" And you'll get on the pile with the other fifty books that I That's just right. ordered. <laughs> That's right, and and you yeah. know, there's, there's no shortage. Think of it as like you're feeding yourself, you're nurturing yourself, your brain. Yeah. L- last questions, easy one. Where do we find you? Easy. So you find me at. Elevate Business Coaching. So my e- email is dgrew, G-R-E-W, at elevatebusinesscoaching.com. Awesome, Dominic. Thanks for the time and thanks for your wisdom. Thanks for having me on, Jay. Appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Thank you for listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing for Law Firms podcast. Please send questions and comments to podcast at 10goldenrules.com. That is podcast at 10goldenrules.com. 